Hello and welcome to another episode of Ranking Thrones. I am James Kelly. Now I'm Evan Camacho. And every week, Evan and I meet up to rank all the kings who sat on the Iron Throne, from Aegon the Conqueror to Joffrey Baratheon. Well, Evan, we are at the tail end. The last two kings who sat on the Iron Throne. Yep. So this has been a fun journey, but we're not done just yet. So now we're going to cover character that was definitely on the show, oh, Robert yes. Baratheon. So, normally, uh, I ask, um, I come in as a, as a book fan, Evan comes in as a TV show fan, and I would normally ask, well, Evan, what can you tell me about Robert? But you can tell me a lot about Robert. We can definitely say a lot about Robert. He was the king of, he's the king of, of Westeros when we entered the show, and he's been king for approximately 17 years. So, he's had quite the life. Yeah. So, we're going to tell his whole story, including the parts that he are only discussed in the show. Mm -hmm. um, so, before that, though, does he have a nickname? Yes. He was known as the Usurper by his enemies. Mm -hmm. He was also called the Demon of the Trident. Right. And also, colorfully, the Whoremonger King. <laughs> and, uh, jokingly, but... Is he mentioned on the show? Yeah, he's on the show. He is on the show. He's the second build on. He's the second build on a, uh, on the first season. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, he's behind only behind Mr. Sean Bean as Eddard Stark. Yep. He he was played brilliantly by by Mark Addy. I loved the casting. He was flawless uh, and the Absolutely. role. And he's a surprisingly he's a surprisingly likable guy. You'd think he wouldn't be, but he's actually a very likable guy. Um, Robert? Yeah. yeah. In the show? Yeah. yeah. He gets a lot of um, added scenes that are not in the books. Um, the big one that everyone talks about and is my favorite of the added scenes is um, the scene where he speaks with Cersei mm -hmm. and just the two of them talking about um, the about a potential Dothraki invasion as well as um, his love for Lyanna. Yeah. yeah. That was a great scene. Phenomenal. One well, adds humanity to both characters, even though in the books both of them were not exactly saints. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, they're not Cersei. saints in the show either. Cersei so. far less so. <laughs> okay. Anyways, let's uh, get into the episode though. So about the series, um, about the sources for for our fake history, we have a Song of Ice and Fire series to go off of. We got a wealth of information, and we also have the World of Ice and Fire to go off of um, the early youth of, of Robert. Yes, we do. So, this is going to be a two-parter, and uh, here we start with The Life and Rise of Robert Baratheon. Yes. Robert was the oldest son of Stephen Baratheon and Kasana Estermont, his parents. However, they both died on a, on a storm returning from the east. The only survivor of the shipwreck was a tattooed fool named Patchface, who seemingly went mad, though he may be a mad prophet. <laughs> Robert and his younger brother, Stannis and Renly, were raised mostly by their maester, who was named Cresson. He was a surrogate father to the boys and loved them all. Cresson held a special affection for the forgotten middle child, Stannis. <laughs> Like most young sons of lords, Robert was sent to another lord to be raised as his ward. Robert was sent to the Vale to serve under Lord John Arryn. Lord Arryn was also was fostering the young Eddard Stark, who was the second son of the Lord of Winterfell. Even though they were fairly different people, Robert and Ned got along amazingly well, with the two becoming the closest of friends. Robert would later call Ned the brother he chose. Well done. Robert grew into an impressive warrior, though he did not enjoy jousting, instead taking a love to melees. Unlike his future rival, Rhaegar, Robert fancied more ribald songs. He was a boisterous and friendly sort. Mm -hmm. Robert, to his utter delight, became engaged to Lyanna Stark, Ned's sister. Robert proclaimed that he adored the girl and that she was the love of his life. Lyanna, however, was not thrilled, as already at the t by the time of the engagement, Robert had fathered a bastard. 
The bastard was a girl from the Vale named Maya Stone. Ned insisted that Robert would change when he married. Liana said that love was sweet, but doubted that Robert would change. Not wrong. Robert and the Starks would meet at the Tournament of Harrenhal. There in the tournament, they saw Rhaegar play the harp. They also saw the Mad King surprise everyone by coming to the tournament. Hmm. We talked about that in the Ares episode. Yep. That was not expected. He had been cooped up for years in the Red Keep. At the tournament of Harrenhal, Rhaegar Targaryen won the jousts and declared Lyanna Stark the Queen of Love rather than his wife, Elia Martell, who was there at the tournament. In a magnificent piece of art in the world of Ice and Fire, Robert is holding back a possibly angered Brandon Stark. Hmm. Of all people... Robert is the is the calmer head compared to the hothead Brandon Stark, who, as Ned would later describe him, suffered along with his sister the wolf's blood, meaning that they <laughs> were a bit wild. A trait later shared with Ned's own s- children, Arya and Rickon. Mm-hmm. Officially, Robert laughed off Rhaegar's gesture, saying that Rhaegar's actions were completely appropriate. But according to all the sources, Robert's heart hardened from this. Robert and Ned returned to the Eyrie, and it was there they heard that Robert's betrothed, Liana, was abducted by Rhaegar. Robert always would believe that this was the was kidnapping and that Rhaegar raped Liana. As we have previously covered, Brandon Stark went to King's Landing to demand justice for Liana. Brandon was arrested. His father, Rickard, was summoned to answer the Mad King's charges of conspiracy to murder the prince. The Mad King burned Lord Rickard alive while his son strangled himself trying to save his father. Jeez. When the Mad King demanded that John Aaron surrender Robert and surrender Robert and Ned, Aaron instead swore an oath to fight the Mad King. Robert was able to safely travel to Storm's End, even though he narrowly passed Casterly Rock. Lord Tywin Lannister seems to have let Robert go unnoticed. What a coincidence. Robert rallied House Baratheon's forces and left command of Storm's End to his younger brother Stannis. Purportedly, it was a heavy and serious decision for Stannis to choose to defy his king and side with his brother in the rebellion. Stannis would soon become besieged under the nominal command of Lord Tyrell, but truly under the command of Lord Randall Tarly. The siege would become bloody and long, with the food supply so depleted that the Baratheon forces would eventually resort to eating rats. When starvation seemed, yep, desperate times. Yeah. When starvation seemed imminent, the smuggler Davos Seaworth managed to avoid capture from Highgarden's fleet and smuggled in onions and other precious foods for Stannis's men. Stannis would reward Davos by making him a knight, but first he cut off Davos' fingers as he was a smuggler and had broken the law. (laughs) Sir Davos was completely loyal to Stannis and was moved by by his strict morals. Robert commanded uh, Robert's command on Storm's End on the Stormlands was not universal, and this led him to fighting three victorious battles in a single day against the forces in Summerhall. Hmm. After the battle, Robert demonstrated his true gift of being able to turn friends out of enemies, as he soon had men who had led armies to kill him, joining him on a hunt. Hmm. Robert had such charisma and charm that he could turn an ally out of an enemy. Well done. Robert was once described by his former blacksmith of being true steel, whereas Stannis was pure iron, hard and black, but brittle and more likely to break than bend. As for Renly, he was copper, bright and shiny, but wor- but not worth much in the end. <laughs> Stannis was a rigid and hard man whose great- greatest strengths and weaknesses complemented one another. Renly was nothing but empty charm. Whereas Robert would char- could charm many, but also be a true commander. Mm-hmm. Robert was defeated for the first and only time by Lord Tarly at Ashford, the same field where Aegon the Conqueror crushed the southern forces in the Field of Fire. Nice. 
The battle was fairly small, as it was mostly more of a tactical retreat, as later noted by Tyrion Lannister. Following this battle, Robert hid in the Stony Sept. John Connington, Hand of the King, desperately searched for Robert in the Stony Sept, but the villagers surprised Connington by siding with the rebel Robert and hid him well. <laughs> As the search went, Robert at this time was wounded, so he couldn't exactly fight. As the search went, in came Ned Stark with his army from the north, who routed and crushed Connington's forces. It was with this battle that Robert's rebellion was officially recognized as not a simple rebellion, but the greatest threat to the Iron Throne since the Blackfire rebellions. Nice. During the celebrations, Robert impregnated a prostitute at a whorehouse called the Peach. <laughs> Decades later, his daughter, Bella Stone, unwittingly attempted to seduce her brother, Gendry Waters. Oh, dear me. Thankfully, Gendry did not sleep with her. No. We all know how that turns out. <laughs> to arrange an alliance with the Riverlands, Ned Stark married Catelyn Tully, who had previously been engaged to her brother, Brandon Stark. John Arryn married Lysa Tully. Lysa did not want to marry John Arryn, and had tried to convince her father to let her marry Peter Baelish, a.k.a. Littlefinger, by revealing that she was pregnant with his child. Lord Tully forced Lysa to have an abortion and marry John Arryn. Hmm. That's not mentioned in the show. No, it's not. <laughs> Ned Stark would leave Lady Catelyn pregnant with a boy who was born during the rebellion, whom they named Rob. However, to her eternal fury, her husband returned with a bastard boy named Jon Snow. Mm -hmm. Catelyn, in her thoughts, stated that she forgave Ned for seeking comfort in war. She was outraged, though, that Ned insisted on having his bastard be raised with her, his legitimate children. There's no universal agreement on who was Jon Snow's mother, with a wet nurse named Wyla officially mentioned, though another was Lady Ashera Dane, who Ned Stark had danced with at the tourney at Harrenhal, and later committed suicide when Ned came to Ashera to inform her that he had slain her brother, Sir Arthur Dane, the Sword of the of Mourning of the Kingsguard, at the Tower of Joy. The one time Cat, I'm sorry. Oops. Yeah. The one time Catelyn feared her husband was when she brought up the rumor of Ashera Dane. He coldly told her to never ask him about this as John was his blood. <laughs> Although note, as many yep. fans have later noted, and the speculation for which we'll see, have to see if, if which way George R. R. Martin will ultimately go on this. But he mm -hmm. said, his blood, not his son. Yes. <laughs> so, suspicious. Exactly. During the marriage of the Tully ladies, Robert Baratheon officially announced his intent to take the throne. Until this time, it was simply a rebellion, with right. no expressed goal to replace the king and replace the Targaryen dynasty. Right, and then he actually becomes king. Not yet. Officially, Robert had the strongest claim to the throne as he was the great-grandson of Aegon the Unlikely. But Renly later said that Robert's legitimacy was simply a technicality, as he was clearly the commander of a conquest. Details, details, as the saying goes. Exactly. Robert and his forces met an equally great force commanded by Prince Rhaegar Targaryen at the Trident. Robert and Rhaegar would personally face off in the heat of battle. Although Rhaegar would wound Robert, Robert smashed Rhaegar so hard on the chest that his that the rubies in his armor scattered into the river. <laughs> With the death of Rhaegar, the army fell apart, and Robert was victorious. Many would later say that the royalist cause died with Rhaegar Targaryen. Yeah. Robert singled out his enemy, Barristan the Bold, who took a wound in the battle and commanded that Barristan be given medical treatment before him. Barristan was impressed by this and soon swore his sword to Robert. Though Barristan was not in King's Landing during the city's sack and regretted not being able to protect Rhaegar and Elia Martell's innocent children. 
As Ned Stark marched Robert's forces to siege King's Landing, the Lannisters, who had remained neutral for the entire war, suddenly arrived at the city before Lord Stark. Tywin Lannisters... Yeah, what a coincidence. And this is definitely how Ned Stark sees it, by the way. Yes. Tywin Lannister sacked King's Landing in such a brutal way and ordered the execution of Rhaegar's children. Ned Stark arrived into King's Landing to find the city sacked, with Sir Jaime Lannister, a man sworn to protect the king, sitting atop the Iron Throne, and the Mad King lying on the ground with his neck slit. Sir, Sir Jaime offered the throne for Ned to Stark, saying it was not comfortable for him. <laughs> Over a century earlier, Cregan Stark had arrived at King's Landing. All that stood from him and the Iron Throne were a few lords and a ten-year-old boy. Now another Stark had an opportunity to seize the Iron Throne. Ned Stark was infuriated by Sir Jaime Lannister's actions and was further incensed that Tywin Lannister and, more astonishingly, Sir Jaime were not punished by Robert. Robert, though, would forever dub Sir Jamie the Kingslayer, something that Sir Jamie would always resent to the point that he routinely contemplated killing Robert and thought he was nowhere near as worthy as Rhaegar would have been as king. Probably, probably right about that. Mm, we'll talk about that in... Make of that what you will. And ranking. <clears throat> yeah. Robert and Ned were only able to reconcile when Ned returned from the Tower of Joy with his sister, Lyanna, dead. On her deathbed, Ned made a promise to Lyanna, the content of which has not officially been revealed in the books. Robert won the war, but he was not greatly happy with his victory, as he truly wanted to be with Lyanna. He more than once said that Rhaegar truly won the war, as he got to be with Lyanna, while Robert was not. Robert named John Aaron as Hand of the King. He was one of the few men who Robert would genuinely listen to. Yes. Robert was arranged to marry the beautiful Cersei Lannister, the daughter of Lord Tywin Lannister. <laughs> On their wedding night, Robert came in drunk, and as he roughly made love to her, he whispered in her ears, Lyanna. And with that, we are going to end part one of our discussion on Robert Baratheon. So, we covered the early, exciting adventure part of, of the life of Robert Baratheon. Um, but now we're going to get into the, the ugly realities of him as king. Um, but before we cover that, though, I'd like to talk about a little bit about the inspiration for Robert Baratheon. Mm -hmm. So, who is Robert Baratheon based on? He is based on two English kings, both of whom had similar life stories in the War of the Roses. Listening. The first is King Henry IV, who led a successful civil war against the unstable and borderline mad King Richard II, who is the inspiration for the mad King Ares II. Fair enough. Richard II had, banned, had banished Henry and later refused to give Henry's inheritance when, while he was in exile. Henry invaded England and was able to force Richard to abdicate the throne. Richard II died of starvation, but once in power, Henry IV came to not be greatly happy or contented with his position, and he had great doubts about his frat boy son, Prince Hal. <laughs> Luckily for England, Prince Hal would mature and become Henry V, whose life was dramatized into one of the most popular plays by Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Shakespeare wrote three plays with Henry IV, Richard II and Henry IV, Part One and Two. Nice. The other king Robert appears to be inspired by is King Edward IV. Like okay. Robert and King Henry IV, Edward was a great warrior prior to becoming king. Right. He also removed a king when he removed the weak King Henry VI. Edward IV soon became obese upon becoming king, and he was not greatly happy as king. <laughs> There's a pattern. Yes. Edward IV, on his deathbed, named his beloved brother Richard to become Lord Protector for his youthful son. 
However, Richard, either out of a wicked desire to usurp the throne from the rightful heirs, or under the sincere belief that Edward's sons were not legitimate, seized the throne for himself and crowned himself Richard III. <laughs> As we'll see, Ned Stark is the more heroic interpretation of Richard III. Something, something that has surprisingly grown more popular in modern-day Britain these days. Yes. There's a whole society dedicated to discrediting the myths perpetuated by Shakespeare's very popular play. Mm-hmm. There was a semi, semi-trivia, and forgive me for disgracing him, but uh, Mr. Kevin Spacey in 2012 did a world tour version of Richard III where he played the title character. And I got to see a recording of this a few years back, and it was an incredible performance. Mm-hmm. Tragically, his name is now Mud. Yeah, well, the performances can be good, but the man, yes. Yes, but it was all portrayed as modern day, uh, very much a military coup. And it's actually, it's an incredible performance. Mm. So, but you're right. I think it's becoming more popular these days because it's an analysis of the of the corrupt or possible heroic monarch. Yeah. Well, that, it, it wasn't, what, what people now recognize for Shakespeare with Richard III is obviously, obviously the the Tudor dynasty, the yeah. Shakespeare wrote Richard III under, were obviously usurpers of Richard III, so they have to make Richard III be this awful tyrant that is removed from power. Yep. Which, it doesn't, there's evidence to go either way on that. There is. So, Although, so continue- and, and yeah, yeah, we could talk forever about like that and mm-hmm. the ambiguity of history, which is one of the things that Martin loves. Yeah. So, getting back into it, mm-hmm. the reign of King Robert the First. Cersei would give birth to three children: two boys, Joffrey and Tommen, and a girl, Marcella. Hmm. All the children had blonde hair and green eyes, contrasting Robert's black hair and blue eyes. On the surface, nothing about this was suspicious. As Catelyn Tully noted, all of her children, save her daughter Arya Stark, took her auburn hair and and blue eyes, hmm. unlike the Starks' brown hair and gray eyes. Right. Robert loved playing with his bastard children and adored them greatly. But their existence enraged Cersei, and he wisely avoided bringing them to court for this reason. Strangely, what? I said, I said, I just said, geez. Yeah. Strangely, I mean, this is part of why Catelyn, like, she gets a lot of flack for the way she treats Jon Snow. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's sad, but at the same time, like, her attitude is astonishingly like understanding and kind compared to like Cersei's is more like the general trend right and what's expected of right. like no way you are not like carrying around evidence of your infidelity around no. me all the time no and that was unless you were she was the biggest problem I'd say with with Robert one bastard Okay, that's that's. I hesitate to use the word forgivable, but that's it happens. It happens. Yeah. Ten bastards, you've got a problem. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about it though, and um, when we rank him, but he Robert is not Aegon the Unworthy. No, thank God, that was a disaster. Yeah. You do not want that disaster. So, okay. Strangely, Joffrey hated being held by Robert, when all of his other children adored it. Mm-hmm. With even her, with even Robert's bastard daughter Maya Stone having fond memories of a man tossing her in the air. Aww. And by the way, like when Maya Stone was born, Robert adored looking at her all the time and seeing her, even after he had lost interest in in the the girl's mother. And brought huh. along Ned to to play with his daughter. Huh. And this is when they were both in the Vale. Nice. 
Robert's mistresses and paramours were mostly prostitutes. This earned him the nickname the Whoremonger King. But Robert, <laughs> but Robert had no permanent mistresses, and all his dalliances were with low-born girls that he showed no great favors towards. Well, at least you can say he doesn't play favorites. Mm-hmm. Well, this is important, and we'll, we'll talk about it in the ranking, but that meant that, yes, he had sexual desires, and yes, that's colorful, mm-hmm. but he didn't allow, unlike Aegon the Unworthy, corruption to, to seep in by, by giving them favors, by making them become permanent presence in the court. Wise. And so, while he did care for his bastards and even may have ensured that some of them were taken care of, he did not recognize any of them. Like I said, wise. The only bastard he recognized was Edric Storm, a boy who was conceived during Stannis Baratheon's wedding, where Robert slept with a noblewoman who was a virgin. <laughs> because she was a virgin, he couldn't it was impossible to deny that that he was the father of the bastard right. he also in stannis's eyes slighted him by doing the deed in stannis's bridal bed <laughs> robert insisted that no slight was intended nah. stannis baratheon lived envying the fortune of others and perceiving numerous slights he believed that he should be get should have been given Storm's End, and he was the next in line. Oh, no, I, I said that wrong. He believed that he should have been given Storm's End, as he was the next in line for the Baratheon's ancestral lands. Mm -hmm. But Robert made his youngest brother, Renly, the Lord of Storm's End. Jeez. Instead, Stannis was made the Lord of Dragonstone. Stannis, the ancestral lands of the Targaryens. Add insult to injury. Stannis hated Dragonstone and was insulted that he had been passed over for the ancestral lands of the Baratheons. Maester Cresson insisted that no slight was intended as the heir to the Iron Throne had been the Lord of Dragonstone for centuries. But Stannis perceived it as Robert backhanded punishment for failing to defeat the Tyrells during, during the siege at Storm's End. Jeez. And... The siege was only lifted when Ned Stark arrived with forces, and and the, the besieging forces surrendered to the Starks. <laughs> Not to Stannis. No. And also, they, they, Stannis interpreted he was also being punished because he supposedly allowed Prince Viserys and the newborn Princess Daenerys to escape under his watch. Not wrong. But at the same time, it's also semi-irrational to think like, yeah, Stannis didn't let them escape. Right, they just, just escaped. Did. Yeah. Well, it's funny. It's funny that it's like, oh, well, and no one, no one could have foreseen the consequences. Yeah. His jealousy would continue as he later would grumble aloud to Lady Catelyn that he should have been named Robert's hand after John Arryn's death. Robert would have one last great battle in war, where he was able to momentarily become the man he preferred being. In the Iron Islands, Balon Greyjoy declared himself king. He justified this by claiming that the Iron Islands had pledged fealty to the Targaryens. But Balon began his rebellion years after Robert's rebellion. Hmm. Stannis led the king's fleet, which decimated the rebels. On land, Robert fought bravely and valiantly. Ned Stark would slay Balon's two elder sons. Also, Sir Jorah Mormont and Thoros of Myr distinguished themselves in the battle. Nice. Balon, for all his preaching of paying the iron price and a return to the old way, bent the knee to Robert. Although a traitor, Robert showed his magnanimity and mercy by sparing Balon and letting him remain the lord of the Iron Islands. Okay. Robert guaranteed Balon's loyalty by sending Balon's remaining son, Theon Greyjoy, as a hostage of Ned Stark. 
This was Robert's last time he would shine as a warrior and to show his better qualities as as a king. Hmm. He would be mostly miserable for his time as king. Robert would confide to Ned Stark that the only reason he had not abdicated the throne was the fear of his son Joffrey succeeding him. Very, very justified fear. <laughs> yep. Joffrey showed signs of sadism even in his youth that repulsed Robert. Under the likely devious maneuvering of Robert's master of coin, Littlefinger, and Robert's lack of frugality, the crown soon became racked with a huge debt to the Iron Bank of Bravos. Stannis began to suspect that something was amiss about Prince Joffrey, but knowing that his suspicions would be dismissed as jealousy by his brother, Stannis went instead to John Arryn. John Arryn began to research the many bastards of Robert and finally deduced the truth. As this was going on, and to help maneuver his son to safety, Lord Arryn tried to arrange for his son, to, son Robert to become Stannis' ward. But then, John Arryn suddenly died. Hmm. His last words being, The seed is strong. The disease was truly the tears of lease, that was given to Lord Aaron by his own wife, Lysa Aaron. Jesus. Lady Lysa had always hated John Aaron and was very possessive of her son Robert. God. Not only that, but Lysa was, but Lysa still loved Littlefinger, who was fostered in Riverrun. Littlefinger, having his own ambitions to turn the Starks against the Lannisters convinced Lysa to poison John Arryn and framed the Lannisters as responsible for to her sister Catelyn Stark. Stannis fled King's Landing upon news of John Arryn's death. He too fell for Littlefinger's ploy and suspected the Lannisters. Hmm. Robert traveled north to visit Winterfell. Upon arrival, he went to the crypts to pay his respects to Lyanna. In the crypts, he asked Ned to become his new Hand of the King. Ned declined, but Robert still insisted that the alliance of Stark and Baratheon could be fulfilled, as he asked for Ned to agree to the marriage of Joffrey to Ned's daughter, Sansa. Good move. After Tyrion would later dub it one of Robert's rare intelligent moves politically. <laughs> After Catelyn received Lysa's letter and accusing the Lannisters, Ned accepted being Hand of the King. <laughs> Before leaving for King's Landing, young Bran Stark climbed the abandoned tower to find Jamie Lannister and Cersei Lannister wrestling naked. Jamie Lannister pu pushed Bran off the tower with the words, The things I do for love. Bran survived, but he would be paralyzed and had blocked out any memory of the event. Upon entering King's Landing, Ned soon began to research into the nature of Jon Arryn's death and what Jon Arryn was researching. He would eventually deduce the truth when Sansa Stark offhandedly said that Joffrey was nothing like Robert. As Ned Stark was Hand of the King, plots were forming. Renly Baratheon, hoping that his betrothed Marjorie Tyrell re resembled Lyanna, and planned to bring her to court to, and, for, and hoped to have Lyanna to have Marjorie seduce Robert and eventually have Robert abandon Cersei and her bastards. Hmm. Meanwhile, at a tournament in honor of the new Hand of the King that Ned personally did not want, Robert wanted to fight in the melee. He was convinced to do so when Cersei told him not to. Cersei hmm. plotted on having Robert die in the melee with the assassin presented as being a tournament mishap. But on the day of the fight, Ned and Barristan the Bold convinced Robert not to fight by gently pointing out that no one would genuinely try to fight Robert as he was the king. Catelyn Stark, meanwhile, happened to come across Tyrion Lannister, who was accused by Littlefinger of trying to kill Bran Stark. Catelyn took Tyrion hostage to be tried in the Eyrie for his crime. Tyrion would escape these charges through a trial by combat. When news of Tyrion's capture reached south, the king was preoccupied with other news, as he had heard th through spies that Daenerys Targaryen was pregnant. Robert, against the pleas of Ned Stark and Barristan the Bold, ordered Daenerys' death. Ned, disgusted with Robert, resigned as Hand of the King. 
Sir Jamie Lannister, enraged by the capture of his brother, ordered the, his men to kill Stark's bannermen before he fled the city. Ned Stark's horse was slain, crushing his knee. Ned Stark awoke before an enraged Cersei and an exasperated Robert. Robert slapped Cersei for insulting him, which he immediately regretted. Robert then ordered Ned to remain hand of the king and threatened to make Jamie Laster his hand if he ever took off the pin again. Robert went out for a hunt. During his absence, Lord Tywin Lannister ordered the, ordered the mountain to attack the south in an attempt to draw out Ned Stark. But as Ned Stark was wounded, he ordered some of his bannermen and other knights to be led by Lord Beric Dondarrion. Ned ordered that Tywin had to return to face charges of treason and murder or else be considered an enemy of the crown. <laughs> During this time, King Robert was given stronger wine by his treacherous squire, Lancel Lannister. In a drunken state, he ordered his men away as a boar charged at him. Robert managed to stab the boar through the eye as its tusks ripped out his innards. Yikes. Robert, ever the strong and tough man, survived the day's journey back to King's Landing. There on his deathbed, King Robert expressed regret and shame. He said that the boar was punishment by the gods for his horrible crime of ordering Daenerys' death. He begged Ned to save the girl if possible. He proclaimed he had been as awful a king as Ares, but Ned assured Robert that it, that was not so. With his last act, Robert begged Ned to look after his children and named him Protector of the Realm. Ned could not find it in his heart to tell Robert the truth and thought of Robert's bastards when he swore that he would protect Robert's children. Robert died convinced that his, this one act would be good. Hours later, Robert the Usurper, the man who crushed the Targaryen dynasty, died. And with his death soon came the greatest war since the Dance of the Dragons. Well, that's the story of Robert Baratheon. He's gone. Power vacuum is in place. Should be fun. Yep. Let's. We'll find out next episode what what exactly is gonna go down for that. Mm -hmm. So now for the ranking part. Let's rank Robert. Mm -hmm. So. In the category of the king, he was king for 15 years, so automatically 15 points. Not bad. Yeah, not bad. And so... He's pretty good. Yeah. Um, so here are my notes for the king. Mm -hmm. As a commander and a king, he would refuse to be extremely punitive on his enemies, just like Aegon the Conqueror. Whereas Stannis or even Ned may have had Robert's enemies executed, Robert had was able to turn enemies into allies. Robert's reign was mostly peaceful, with the Greyjoy Rebellion quickly crushed by Robert, Ned, and Stannis. Although enjoying prostitutes greatly, he only recognized one of his bastards officially, Edric Storm, whom he recognized because the child's mother was a nobleman, noblewoman and a maiden. Hmm meaning that paternity was impossible to deny. Yes. Despite errant dismissals of Robert's ca capability of being king, when Robert died, the old grudges between houses and rivalries exploded in the immediate first days of Ro Joffrey's reign and war erupted. Robert, like Viserys I, was able to maintain order and unity in the realm that shattered with his death and Ned Stark's. When he and when Robert and Ned Stark died, chaos erupted. Yep. Welcome to the War of Five Kings. Yep. The king was accurately aware that his grasp on power and peace were tenuous, and when Lord John Arryn died, he appointed Sir Jamie Lannister as Warden of the East, to the surprise and consternation of Lady Lysa Arryn and Ned Stark. Robert mm. insisted that the title of Warden of the East could not go to the boy, Robert Arryn, as he needed a man to guard the East from potential invaders, not a boy. Good move. At least sound backing. Yeah. So, what do we think? 
Well, the best thing that can be said about him is stability of sorts. Stability is very important, especially considering who his predecessor was. And who his successor will be. Yeah. I mean, is he a great king? No. But he's sure as hell not really a terrible king. No, I think Robert actually, for all his misdeeds, and we're going to talk about that, we are yes. going to talk about that. But I think he is a good king. Not yeah. not at all a great king. And, no. like, I think he's... And by good, I mean, like, competent good. Of like, Right. He's not an idiot. No. It's just, like, we'll get into it, but, like, the, the problem is, is that poor Robert is meant to be a, a wartime leader. He's not exactly meant to be a peacetime right. ruler. No, that is very accurate. So it's, it's it's a warrior who is forced to be king even though he doesn't want to be king. So like I said, in, in retrospect, he's not a bad king, and you have to give him credit for being able to turn. He was at least able to hold back the grudges that all these families had against each other, at least while he was alive. That's so. really important, is just after a civil war, he is able to still and having forever changed the way Westeros is ruled. Because remember, it's been almost 300 years that Targaryens have been in charge. Right. He just brought the only down... thought has been which Targaryen is going to be in charge. He is actually not a Targaryen, other than having some blood in him. Yeah. And he's able to, to turn enemies into allies. Or at least right. get them to not rebel. Right. Get them to not want to kill each other all the time. And I do admire, even though Ned is critical, and I understand why, and we'll get into Madison's rule, why Ned has definitely has a point. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I do think that he ultimately is... It, that he wasn't punitive on his enemies? No. Is something to very much admire. Yes. And the fact, the fact that they didn't seem to rebel while he was alive says a lot. And I think that might have been... They were afraid to actually fight such a good general and a good commander like him. So, yeah. I mean, he's kind of right in the middle. I'd say he's about a seven. Not a great king, but the he, of the people who were going to take over, he was probably the almost the best that they were going to get. Yeah. I think I'm going to go... I'm a, I want to go seven. I don't think he really do, though... Hmm. It's just like he. Well, we're we're, we're focusing on the positive, so I, I'll go. We, we are yeah, a peaceful reign, a peaceful reign, and being yeah. able to crush a rebellion. On yeah. paper, that's really really admirable. Right. On paper, it's good. In practice, eh, it's a little more complicated. It's a little bit more complicated, but. Yeah. Okay. I'll go seven. I'll go seven. The biggest, problem that yeah. can be said, the, the biggest problem that can be said about Robert Baratheon is that the guy the guy's a warrior, not a ruler. Well, we'll get into that in Madness and Misrule, but yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, and that's one of the reasons why I love Robert, because he's just so acutely aware of it. Yes. Is that, like, I'm not meant for this. I am not meant for this. I do not want this. Why, 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 why me, why me, why me? Well, the best way I'd describe it is he's there because no one else, because anyone else there would either be a screw-up or a psychopath. And we see yeah. that. We see that big time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do. So, the category of the warrior. Very good. Robert crushed Aegon the Conqueror's dynasty. Robert managed to do what Rhaenyra Targaryen could not do with the dragons nor what Daemon, Blackfire, and Bittersteel could do with the, their own armies. He was able to remove a sitting monarch. Yeah. Robert's greatness as a general and a commander led him to obliterate the greatest dynasty in the history of Westeros. As an individual warrior, he defeated the celebrated warrior scholar Rhaegar Targaryen in single combat. Well done. He was... He was hailed as one of the greatest warriors in the history of Westeros, and certainly of the great warriors, the Baratheons. He was at one point dubbed the Second Laughing Storm. <laughs> also, Robert and his forces crushed the Greyjoy Rebellion. Like that, by the way. Like, really quickly. Yeah. 
course, Balon's an idiot, so... Balon's an idiot, but plenty of Greyjoy rebellions have gone on for years. That's true. And yet he crushed it immediately. Right. With Stannis, by the way, yes. Right. I think the... It's hard to say because he only got defeated once. He got defeated once, and it wasn't even really that big of a victory. So I'm going to give him a nine. I'm going to give him a 10, because that's really impressive that he was able to defeat... I mean, like, at the same time, like, yes, Ares was massively incompetent with with the way he, he commanded. True. And, but, but, like, at the same time, Robert managed to turn a small rebellion into overthrowing a dynasty. Do you think that there's a... Uh... Do you think that there's kind of a, an equivalent warrior for him? I'm trying. I'm trying to really think of someone who was able to do that. Probably the roughest equivalent is maybe Henry Tudor. Yeah, well, Henry Tudor. Well, well the ones I, I, I listed: Henry Tudor and um, and definitely uh, Edward the Fourth. Right. Edward the Fourth. Like that's really impressive. Mm-hmm. Of that, so many were against Edward, and he managed to actually do it. And so, I am. You're probably kind. You're you're kinder to him as a warrior than I am. But then again, I mean, because he was a real commander. He was like a really true. good. Like they followed him. Like they follow this man against yes. the crown, right? And he actually managed to win. Yes. Okay, he was a great warrior and managed to actually be. To uphold the crown when, like Darren, another great warrior, lost it. I know he lost it and lost it in less than a reign. Yeah, and like oh. he—he's both a really great warrior and a really, really, really good commander. So he's got both. So he totally deserves a ten in my book. Ah, uh, I'll still give him the nine point five only because of that one defeat. That one defeat? One okay. defeat. All right, fine. One defeat. If he was an unblemished, he'd give Alexander the Great. Uh, actually, you want to know what general he's actually very similar to in a, in a bizarre way? Who? Is Marius. Gaius Marius. Oh. Or Sulla. Or Sulla. Hmm. Interesting choices. Yeah, I can see that. Was that? Yeah, we got to go back further because that in my in antiquity is where the really great generals were. Mm, yeah, and Marius, Marius is definitely up there. Yeah, great, great. Um, Mike Duncan singled out Marius as as one of the most underrated generals of a, of history. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Certainly of, of the Romans. Yes. Okay. So a near perfect, a near perfect shot. Yeah. So that's that's really good, good, good score so far. But unfortunately, now you might yes. score high on this category too. Oh god. Madness and misrule. So, in my notes, with Robert and Ned, I think that Robert is George R. R. Martin deconstructing. Well, it's pretty much, but. Oh, right, said, but I'll officially say I think. George R. R. Martin deconstructing the notion of Aragorn and other fantasy heroes becoming king. Yes. As a society, we often believe a good person will make a good leader, when that sadly is not necessarily true at all. No. As uh, Martin mentions, in uh, he loves Lord of the Rings. He's a huge Lord of the Rings fan. and. Right. And just one of the things that we all go in assuming is like, well, oh, Aragorn's a wonderful human being, so he's going to be a wonderful king. But as uh, Martin wondered and put into, and what makes what makes his series so magnificent is, well, what were Aragorn's tax policies, though? Right. You think about like certain relationships of certain races and just getting into <laughs> really being a king. As and I, we find mm-hmm. that sometimes... Good people do not necessarily. Good people and certainly great warriors do not necessarily translate to being great leaders. Yeah. 
to paraphrase a quote from our good friends the Romans, this from the writer Tacitus, but I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> Everyone thought Robert would make a great king until he became king. Yeah. That sadly is one of the best ways of describing Robert. Yeah, that is probably the best way. During his reign as king, he ended up bankrupting the crown with all of his extravagant spending on tourneys. So, though it also, I suspect it's a little bit Littlefinger being Littlefinger. I was going to say, I think Littlefinger had his own little uh, little plot and ploy, if you want to call it that. And some embezzlement, probably. Though, to say the least. Though, like some fans have pointed this out, the Iron Bank was willing to accept the debts as the Westerosi economy boomed. The Iron Bank only abandoned supporting the crown during the regency of Tom and Baratheon due to misappropriation of funds by Cersei Lannister. Oh, God. Well, so, there's actually maybe kind of a slight weird... lessening. Yes. And if we really want to get into it, that, that there's always a debate on, like, if it's better to be a debtor nation or a lender nation. Well, that's a funny thing, because there's a there's a little phrase that is, it's kind of a funny one if you owe a hundred dollars the bank owns you if you owe a hundred million dollars you own the bank mm. and 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 let me let me explain that and it's 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 both simple and really complicated if you wanna if you if you owe the bank a small amount of money they're gonna make your life a living hell if you owe the bank a shitload of money and you fail, they're never getting that money back. Yeah. So it's kind of like, it's, it's that, it's the phrase, uh, too big to fail. Yeah. It's too big to fail. And that happens all the time. And so one of the things that the Iron Bank looks for when they abandon the crown is someone to recognize the debts that they're owed and exactly. is willing to pay them. Right. And that isn't necessarily a, Robert, say what you will, probably would not have uh, paid those back. Well, but they were being paid. They were, like, being regularly paid, and then Cersei decides, oh, you know what? No, we're not going to use that money that we normally pay the Iron Bank for debts. We're going to instead build a fleet to fight the war. Well, even Tywin was kind of like, yes, I mean, yes, we're well, in debt. that's in the show version, but yeah. Um, so... Other notes. The point is, so, so we, the point of being, th th there are debates about that, but it is bad though, because yeah. the crown was rich when Robert inherited the throne, right? And that's not good, right? And the fact that they got, I think, what was it, six million, six million gold dragons in debt? Yeah, that's pretty bad. It is pretty bad, and that's pretty unforgivable. Unforgivable? Hmm. Eh, not really unforgivable, just really bad management. Yeah. Like I said, well, the thing is, like, theoretically, when you're in that much debt, it yeah. also means that there's good economic relations, though, because the two don't want to be at war with one another, theoretically, because... No one can pay for it. Yeah. Well, no and then, like, there's... Good business, theoretically. That's why I said that there are values to being a debtor nation. Yes. Although, it's not good. You shouldn't. No. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. But like we said, this was... Yeah. This was a problem. This was an undeniable problem. Yep. Robert vigilantly, vigilantly tried to wipe out the remaining Targaryens and ordered Daenerys Targaryen's death when he knew she was pregnant. Though he did come to regret this. He did come to regret this, and later begged Ned Sark to try to stop it if, if it was possible. I mean... This, this action emboldened Daenerys' resolve and convinced her husband, Khal Drogo, to seek to conquer Westeros... Robert's actions escalated a mild threat into a major threat. Yeah. That's bad. Yeah, it was. 
His failure as a husband and a father led to his wife murdering him and his son, in quotes, being a monster. Yeah. Yeah, not good. He was only able to maintain a fragile alliance in the Seven Kingdoms. When he died, war soon quickly followed that eclipsed his rebellion. Oh, yeah. Big problem. So... This it's hard to say with him because he he's not as big of a screw up as some of the other guys, but he messed up bad. Yeah, he did. It was a case of it was a case of he just blatantly did not give two shits. Yeah. Which again, well, we, not... he we, we didn't touch upon it, but yeah, he relied heavily on his hands because he didn't want to do basically the ruling part of ruling. Right, he didn't. He didn't want to rule. So, and the yeah, only parts he did want to rule, other than like being a commander, were kind of the parts where you uh, maybe you shouldn't, maybe you can't really think straight about this matter of, uh, right, of the Right, like, uh, sir, did you really think this through? Yeah. So, it's pretty bad. Um, that's really it. Like. I think in the context of the major history, like like we said, we, because we, we, we can see, and, I, and we've done this podcast, I think it's a bit clearer that, like, he is nowhere near as bad as, like, he himself th thought he was at the end. Like, no, 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 no. You are not Aries. You're not, you a, mon not. You're not a monster. You're not a genius, but you're not a monster either. It's like, Jesus, and you're, you're not a bad king. You're not, like... A great king, but you're. Oh, yeah. But it's like cut. It's kind of like cut yourself a little bit of slack there, pal. But at the same time, no, you did mess up. You did mess up. Like, yeah, it's like let's be honest, you still screwed up. Um, I'm gonna give him a seven out of ten. I'm about there. Like, like I, said, I just want to think about it a little bit because, one hundred percent, the. The debts is alone automatically makes it a five. Yeah. And I think ordering Daenerys' death, even though he came to regret that, and I do yeah. forgive him for that, and that, like, he later came to recognize, like, oh, wait a minute, no, that was bad. That was bad. Yeah. I think uh, your, your analysis of turning, a, of turning a relatively minor threat, in fact, probably even a negligible threat, into a real problem, is pretty bad. Yeah. I will go, though... I'm pretty much at a 7, yeah. I, Me too. I'll go 7, like... Perhaps his most forgiving trait is he's not a freaking psychopath. Yeah. True enough, I guess. He's a warmonger. He's not a psychopath. He's not Magor. No. Oh, no, no, no. He's not Magor. Well, no, like, there's no madness, really, in him. Although, like, the only madness is his own, like, kind of self-loathing. Right. And his own, like, kind of, like, melancholy. Exactly. But, well, no, it's not madness. No, really. it's not. It's misrule. Yeah. So we're going with a 7 out of 10 both. So that's, that's not terrible. But now moving on. But it is pretty high. It is pretty high. Yes. So, I mean, like, we gave Viserys the same thing. Viserys the first, the same score. True. Because it's like, well, you kind of... In his defense, like, it's just that the war... Uh, it's just like, compared to Viserys, whereas, like, it's obvious this war is coming and you're just, like, kind of in denial that it's coming. Yeah. It's just like... It just, once Robert is gone, oh boy, the floodgates break. And that's like, it wasn't clear that that was going to happen, but... It wasn't clear that it was going to happen. At the same time, he left absolutely no contingency plans. Well, no, he left the contingency plan of Ned, but... But that's, that film... That didn't too. last. No. Oh, well. So, yeah. Continuing on. Um, so I got three portraits to go off of. Okay. Um, here's the first one, and, uh, two of them are fan art, and, uh, so, hold on, yeah, I'm just, 
technical being technical. Robert. Right, sending it over. This is uh, Robert at the. This is a picture of Robert. I want to get young Robert, and like there aren't a lot of young Roberts, but I found managed to get two. So this yeah. is Robert at probably basically at his happiest hmm. when he's being a warrior. Yep. And this is a great one. Like this is Robert when he's already at his wedding with Cersei. Okay. It's a great recent fan art piece. And um, some people say that Cersei looks a very suspiciously like Taylor Swift in this. Okay, let's see what we got. <laughs> huh. I like it. Yeah, so we, we see a very handsome man and, like, why he was beloved by many people. Oh, yeah. And and he looks like a king at this point. Well, he looks like he looks like those great warrior kings that you always think of. Yep. That's like, and then, oh. This is what, he, what we got for the World of Ice and Fire. And this is what he's like at the end of his life. Have you noticed that this fan art with Cersei, uh, he looks a little bit like Schwarzenegger? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. A young Schwarzenegger? Yep, that's kind of how I pictured him. So, uh, you can see the former You can see handsome. the man in his former glory. You can see his former glory. Is this the one that we're judging him on, then? It's hard to tell, because, I mean, from, from the standpoint of is he a king? I mean, I give him a five out of five when he was a young man, but as now, it's like, mm, he's still, he's one of those things, it's one of those things where it's like, he was once a handsome, charismatic figure, and while he still is that, he sure as hell isn't what he was. No, he definitely isn't, but I mean, like, yeah, his looks have faded completely, right. but he still, he still looks has like this, a yeah, and not only that, I can still sense, like, a presence, like, yes, I can still sense like a, a a regal presence, and I can sense that I would follow this man. I would too. I would follow him. So I mean, I I bounce it out of four out of four point five out of five. Oh, with, with all the history of Robert? Yes, with all the history of Robert. Yes. With all the history, I can I can only go four because. The current one is about a three and a half for me, and whereas like the oh, you're a lot more ruthless. You're more ruthless than I am. <laughs> well, it looks like a king, but like he doesn't look like a great king at this point. Fair enough. Whereas like the the earlier ones, he looks the part. True. And that is a partially also why like it's like between the three it was like it's like either it's going to be Ned, John, Aaron, or or Robert. It was like Robert, you really look like a king. Right. And you. And not only, like, you have Targaryen blood, you really look like a king. And you've been mm -hmm. the one that's commanding us. And this whole war is basically because you were wronged. Mm -hmm. So, you're, you're, you're going to be the king. You're the king. Yeah. So, you gave him four and a half? Yeah, I gave him four and a half. I'm giving him four. <laughs> so... He's going to score really high, and he does. Unfortunately, though, he did get high marks for kind of a lot of the categories. Yes. But his final score is 70.5. That's wow. pretty good. That is pretty good. Way to go, Robert. Way better than, than Ares. You got... You got mm -hmm. Ares scored 58. Oof. Like, um... The last one with any score like that has been Egg on the Fifth. Egg. Nice. With like 84.5. He even got he even got uh, higher than than uh, Darren the Second. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so just by one point, but he got higher. Still good. Yeah, it's good. Way to go, Robert. I mean, you're, you're a really fun character, and we really like talking about you, Robert. But with all, with all that in mind, though, the final category and the real judgment. Yeah. Stag or Bambi? Stag. Is... <laughs> nice, call. nice call on that one. Good one. Yeah. yeah, well, I was waiting for that. It's going to be fun for the last two, 
It's going to be a little bit of a variation because they're no longer dragons. Right, the dragons are gone. He's a stag. Yep. That's his house sigil, and is he a stag, though? Yes. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, you know what, definitely. like, definitely, like, it's definitely, though, I must admit, for the first half of that, of that, in leading a rebellion and removing the Targaryen dynasty, mm-hmm. that is such a humongous, indelible impact. Oh, yeah. That cannot you, be denied. You, 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 you changed the world completely. You changed history. Granted, once he is king, I would say, like, mm, I don't know, but, but you can't separate one from the other. No, you can't. He has such a humongous impact on Westeros. Yeah. He just changes everything. Yeah. Well, he was, so, the, he was the game... The, he was the true game changer. Yeah. So, ultimately, yeah. Congratulations. High score, and you are a stag. Mm-hmm. Formerly so, known as dr- a dragon. Yep. Well, so, so now, we have, now we move on to... Well, do we call him a Baratheon, or do we call him a Lannister? <laughs> yeah, well, we'll get into that. Tune in next week when we deal with Joffrey, the so-called Baratheon. Oh, yes. Joffrey, first of his name. First of his name, unfortunately. <laughs> yep, and one of the, wor- and one of the worst disasters and disasters of Westerosi history. Well, we'll discuss that and more. See you next week. <laughs>